Welcome to Mind Your Pleasure Podcast. I'm your host, Ava Peichel. I'm an authentic Tantra practitioner, board-certified sexologist, and transformational therapist. I'm an advocate for helping people like you ditch self-sabotage, become their own source of connection, and channel their inner Buddha, only with more sass. You can get in touch with me directly through my IG at ava.peichel or flamewithintantra.com. In this episode, Xavier and myself discuss our experiences and process with Tantra and our relationship. We explore topics like porn usage, tantric sex, and even ditching concepts like polarity. Enjoy the conversation. So we're going to talk about what the heck is tantric sex anyways, because it's probably not what you think it is. And Xavier and I are probably having tantric sex without him even knowing most of the time, so. Um, we're also going to talk about uh, my personal views because I practice Buddhist Tantra on on pleasure and sexuality and how that plays out in our relationship because Xavier does not practice more advanced teachings of, of lineage-based Tantra. So how does that play out in our relationship? You shall find out. And I also want Xavier to talk about um, his experience with semen retention, obviously, because I don't have a penis and he's the best one to talk about um, semen retention with healthy ways that it impacts your life as a whole and how it's super accessible. So with further ado, this is Xavier. And um, I, I want to ask you, um, what was your experience when I first started practicing Tantra, because we weren't practicing together, but what are the changes that you saw in our relationship? In our relationship and in you, everything? Yeah, whatever you want to share. Um, all I knew was that you were starting something new, which you're always conquering and starting new things. So you seemed really excited about it. I didn't really know anything about it at all. What what was our relationship like before that versus as I went through this process of becoming a practitioner of authentic Tantra? Well, our relationship before, I guess right before that was a little bit rocky. Not just a little bit. <laughs> um, we didn't really have any solid connection that we both were connected to, if that makes any sense. Well, I mean, we had great sex from the get-go. That was one Not thing. from the get-go. Really? If you remember. The first time? Yeah. Well, that was, that doesn't count. You, oh. you were... <laughs> no, it counts. But we had a connection, but the actual sex itself wasn't what I would say is anywhere close to what how you would want your first sexual encounter to go <laughs> that's actually a good conversation <laughs> yeah that um i actually forgot about that until you just mentioned it so <laughs> oh shit <laughs> so yeah xavier and i had had known each other for several months uh here and there and i remember it was like our first proper date right where like we went um, paddle boarding, right? Yeah, we went paddle boarding in the Boyden Inlet. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was the first time that you shared a little bit more about your life and your background and your struggle with addiction. And then 
um, yeah, we went back to your place and it did not end how you would expect. Well, yeah, I'll but you say, can talk. You can talk a little bit more on that and like why why that was. Um, yeah, I'll say. Uh, well, to, for starters, I actually didn't really ever think. At that time, like after the date, I didn't think, wasn't even thinking about having sex because it uh, wasn't something that I really was planning on doing. I don't think I was ready for it because uh, at the time, I actually wasn't even looking for a relationship uh, because I was doing a lot of work on myself. I struggled with addiction for, it was a long, probably eight plus years. Um, so I was, fresh out of rehab I just had my own apartment I moved back down to Florida um and this is all taking place within like a year before us meeting and then I was working two different jobs I was just really trying to like figure out myself for the first time in my life just taking the time to do so and so I wasn't really searching for any type of relationship not even like uh promiscuous sex here and there with like I just wasn't I was just focused on myself really and so yeah when we went on that first date I was just thinking like okay just take her to breakfast at a spot I know take her paddle boarding you know get to know her because I, I don't know there's very strong connection with Ava from the start and I didn't really want to fuck it up so <laughs> so yeah so when we left we came back to our house to my house it was my apartment it was this dingy old apartment that I had with my one of my best friends growing up and <laughs> yeah we had proceeded to have sex for like I don't know 30 seconds ah <laughs> uh, yeah but uh part of that is because I, I I was unable to have a like a connection to another person at the time and shame and still dealing with a lot of guilt and just a lot of things like I don't know if, unless you're having sex like under the influence and things like that that was another thing it was like so sober sex experience that I haven't experienced for a long time in my life um so yeah there's a lot of different factors that's a really big one though because I think that more people struggle with that than you'd think not just talking about addiction but talking about substance use in general like usually that's something that is really normalized in society of like okay go get drunk and go get fucked or yeah get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> well I mean it's really yeah everything you see especially like movies and um music and everything like that um yeah, drinking and drug use and then sexual experiences. Um, I think as a society, it makes people more relaxed and able to put themselves out there without like with having a mask over yourself. Like uh, you're wearing almost like a mask when you're under the influence. Mm -hmm. so. This has a lot to do with being afraid of connection. And I talk about this a lot is like we're all striving towards connection, whether you're conscious of it or not. Um, but it's the number one thing that we fear. So Xavier being in that experience of just, um, getting out of rehab, uh, a few months prior, right. 
Um, yeah. Six months to a year. And then starting to have those intimate connections um, without substance use was something brand new to his to his body. And I mean, even on a physiological level too, his nervous system, his brain, right? Those all have a big effect. And and then you throw like that piece of connection and vulnerability on top. And that is a recipe for just um, for sexual experiences that you that you wouldn't consider to be super fulfilling, I guess, yeah. um, even though that's kind of what I mean, that kind of needs to happen in order for us to to discover fulfilling sex. Anyways, it's not just like we go over this big hump from our experiences and then all of a sudden we're having these ecstatic ones in the bedroom that's just not reality and that was our reality actually we had a wonderful aesthetic sex life for most of that time except for that uh that that one time that we were discussing in the beginning of our conversation but we lacked connection in other areas of our lives um, especially as a couple. And I think that this is a really important conversation. Not only was Xavier only six months to a year out of rehab, but I was also, I was also stripping for a good year. And, um, I was in a position in my life where I didn't really know where things were going, where things were headed. And I just kind of got handed this opportunity. Um, and I took it and it was a great time, (laughs) But uh, there actually came to a point, maybe a few months into our relationship, where Xavier actually asked me to stop stripping. So I'd like you to to voice on on why that was from from your perspective. Um, yeah. So I think for me, I had the idea and the thought of you know, if I'm, we're really going to take this relationship to the next level, because we were kind of like you were driving down and seeing me and living like two hours away further north. And so it was kind of like long distance. And I was like, well, this is going to work for me. And I think I even said, you know, like, I understand that you don't like if you're deciding to not stop but for me if we were going to have a relationship and I was going to be able to commit myself to it um that was just something that I don't think I was going to be able to deal with in a way and I think this had a lot less to do with your own insecurities and more to do with where you saw the relationship headed because I remember that conversation pretty vividly and you were really nervous to even have it And when you actually said those words, like the first thing in my mind was like, okay, yeah. And that wasn't from a space of wanting to please, because I've never been that type of person. Um, But more so from just this inner knowing that like, I wasn't really happy in my current situation anyways. And I kind of uh, just jumped in and it was, I'm not going to lie. It was really fucking hard financially. Um, where I was living. Like I just, I I didn't have enough money anymore to stay in my luxury apartment. It was a nice apartment. It was. Um, (laughs) That was a good Christmas. (laughs) And um, so, uh, you know, I ended up having to move back to 
uh, towards South Florida because we were kind of uh, long distance. And I ended up staying with him and his roommate. <laughs> yeah, that was unplanned. Yeah, for like a good year. <laughs> and um, it was not pleasant. <laughs> Um, but you know, I, I made my choice and, and, you know, from that prospered what I was meant to be doing in life, um, as far as being a sexologist, authentic tantra practitioner, all of these things, <clears throat> that was really, I think the, the starting point for me to really just take responsibility and accountability for where I was at in my life. Um, and it was because he was willing to ask that one thing of me. Yeah, I think uh, I asked also because I I knew it wasn't what Eva was supposed to be doing. And I have this thing with people where I kind of just see them at their best. And so sometimes when I see that, um, I'll say something to them. And a lot of my life I'd, I've done that. And... I would do that for other people and then not do it for myself. Um, like we would have conversations about her and what she really wanted to do. That's I was I was afraid to bring it up because I was afraid that the re relationship would end. <laughs> I was afraid she was going to say no and and I was going to be like, no, fuck you. You yeah. tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah, which um, I would have had to been fine with if that was what she chose. Uh, but I think it's important that I um, was able to communicate that that was something that I wanted. Wow. That's actually really beautiful. And, you know, for most people, we go through our entire lives not voicing what we're actually needing because we're afraid that we're going to be seen as needy or, you know, as controlling. But we're human beings. We all have needs. And especially in relationships, it's important that um we're able to request that but also know that at the end of the day it's our responsibility to get our needs met that's really where the power uh, resides it's not relying on anyone else but not being afraid to voice um what you're experiencing and and what you're needing or or requesting of that moment um so that's really really powerful stuff um and the vulnerability of that is is hard because on the other side you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who the fuck you're going to be or who you're going to be with. Um, so that type of vulnerability is necessary for us to evolve on in all ways, not just relationally. So again, as, as we kind of went a little bit deeper into our own relationship and I did start moving into practicing lineage-based Tantra, Things started to shift, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, that's a, definitely a good word for it. <laughs> so again, like we were having really wonderful sex pretty much from the get-go. and um, But we lacked a lot of connection in these other areas of our lives. And those were those really, really deep fucking wounds. Um, yeah, and I think when you say we were having really wonderful sex from the get-go, it was more of like we have this connection naturally and it was there from the very beginning. Um, we're very sexually driven and attracted to each other. So it made it very easy to have uh, that type of connection. And I think one thing that was missing, which we're definitely going to get deeper into is what pretty much this is going to be about, but 
was the Tantra aspect of adding that into sexual our sexual experiences because before we were having sex but it wasn't like there was no guidance there is no way to like I didn't know the female anatomy I didn't know my own anatomy I didn't know you know a lot of different things that make your like understanding of great sex turn into like what would tantric be in a, in a way yeah so the way that I want to approach this is from two different aspects one is connection right so we have those foundational aspects that most of us are going to be working on our entire lives not everyone gets to this point and that's totally fine where we're having like these sexual experiences where we feel like we're meeting God where we can add this motivation into it that benefits not just ourselves, but everyone around us in a sense. And that's really where this tantric sex comes into play. And I think a lot of people misunderstand what that means. They just think tantric sex is like a, a specific breathing technique that happens at the point of orgasm with a visualization. And then boom, you are have created this ecstatic moment in time. <laughs> and that's just that, again, that's not tantric sex. That's that's a great orgasm. But tantric sex is what happens after connection has been established. And I heard um, Davy Ward, actually, she's she's the one who said that. Um, so shout out to her. And I immediately connected to that description of tantric sex. So again, tantric sex is what happens after connection has been established. So if you cannot establish a depth of connection that goes beyond just 30 seconds or a minute, you can establish that connection for a prolonged period of time, that the tantric sex is what naturally happens after that. So again, most of us are going to be in that state of just trying to foster connection the best that we can, because there's all of these things that we have to work through in order to arrive, not arrive, but in order for us to evolve into that state. Um, and that's not all the time with Xavier and myself either, because we consistently have different blocks that arise, but now we can consistently connect, right? For maybe 45 minutes, an hour, maybe longer, you know? And then at that point, we're having experiences that you cannot put into words. Like, yeah. And I was going to say, it's also more of, instead of just like saying tantric sex, it'd be more like, uh, relationship um, because it just encompasses everything and I didn't realize that that's what it was gonna be um, and Xavier the foundational um, Tibetan five elements which she has meditated with and just another bit of information here which I think is really important is like even though you don't um practice advanced teachings you are in the we're in relationship so whatever I'm doing with my own personal practice is flowing over into the relationship it is directly affecting how we connect with one another um and then there's that energetic resonance that's happening where we can feed off of each other each other's energies except especially since we've been together for 5 years now and have cultivated that yeah, like 3 years i guess now what since i've been practicing yeah, tantra almost 3 i think it's been over 3 years at this yeah. point so um 
you know, that Mm -hmm. is something that I personally developed on my own for like at least a year and a half um, beforehand. Yeah, even almost before bringing me into it. Oh, yeah, long before. Which is actually the most important thing. Yes. I realize that for myself, too, is like you have to experience it for yourself. And I have done the meditations and I have done the self practices with myself. And it was only actually after I did that, that a lot of things started clicking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually has helped me in all facets of my life, just that same mentality of like, even if you're in a relationship, or um, with someone that is practicing something different than you um it's important to just practice something for yourself even if it's not the same thing but once it if it is the same thing it's like even more powerful yeah it's about that evolution and i and that's i'm happy that you said that actually because it was my experience as well like having that personal practice established so that i can work through my own fucking shit and also it's, this isn't just sexually, like, you know, I did teach Xavier orgasmic awareness practice, um, which is a self-pleasure practice that we actually do sometimes together, which is really nice, but it, it's, it's meant to be this personal evolution of your sexuality. And then outside of that, right, we have the Tibetan five element meditations, which are that really core foundational pillar of lineage based Tantra and the way that we teach it and authentic Tantra methods anyway, Um, So that is all about establishing um, not just connection with yourself, but understanding your own energy body. So with the Tibetan five elements, you can actually locate and and feel and experience, you know, where are these different blockages um, or disconnections in my energy body? Because everything stems from the energy body. And that's what creates, um, you know, physical illness, physical disease and our reality all around us. So these ancient practices are meant to be used on a personal level first and really understood before bringing it into a partner practice. Now, I'm not saying that I've never done that because even before Xavier knew the Tibetan five elements, I was definitely um, adding them into our sexual practice. And then he would, I remember there would be moments of really high intensity and he'd be like, whoa, like, what was that? I'm like, okay, let me back off a little bit. (laughs) Let me back off the energy work and it'll blow him out. Um, But it's really important to understand the energetics behind it too, because um, when you go into sexual union, you're amplifying whatever is there. It's not always <laughs> orgasmic. Sometimes it's like some deep, dark shit. Yeah, sometimes it can bring up very frustrating things, um, traumas, a lot of different things that you don't even know. And yeah. So, you know, again, lineage-based Tantra in in, in Buddhism, we... We think of our sexuality as a tool towards, you can say enlightenment, you can say spiritual growth, you can say um, just becoming um, more aware in your everyday life. And that's really where we use the tool of sexuality. And this is different than other things that you might hear about or practice in neo-tantra or sacred sexuality. We don't practice, and I personally do not practice or teach things like sex magic, 
um, you know, these are, that's completely different practice or the completely different motivation than lineage-based sexual uh, practices. So I want to make that really clear. And just the power and potency of these um, just needs to be really understood. Um, so let me, let me talk a little bit more about multiple orgasms because this is like, who doesn't want to have multiple orgasms? <laughs> But it was good that we had that conversation beforehand because I don't want you to get the wrong message of like, this is just, you know, the, the goal of having a tantric practice or a tantric relationship by any means, um, because that's not the goal. But we can ha have multiple orgasms in different states of experiences and accessing our orgasmic potential, you can say when we are doing the practices themselves. So it's not something that we're necessarily striving towards. It's just uh, a byproduct, okay? It's just a byproduct of the practices that we're doing. And also from a psychological perspective too, that really works, okay? Because a lot of times any type of sexual issue has a non-sexual solution. So when we take the pressure and all of the effort, just if we only take that off of the sexual issue itself, now it's now now we're cultivating this type of connection in all areas of our life and that's really what um practicing buddhist tantra is all about too um so back to multiple orgasms. so if you didn't know this men can experience Tangent. over <laughs> i do go off on tangents Woo! it's good if got the fire <laughs> So if you guys didn't know this, men or um, individuals with penises can have over 10 different forms of orgasm and women or individuals with vulvas and vaginas can have over 15. So when we're talking about multiple orgasms, the first thing is, is we have to um, re-understand um, our what we believe orgasm to be. Okay. So most of us are just having the same types of orgasms our entire life. And especially for men, right? That's literally wired into their nervous system. They're having the same type of orgasm. I got some for that. Yeah. And, and what that is, it is an ejaculatory orgasm, which they're wonderful. There's nothing wrong with ejaculatory orgasms, but <laughs> In order to experience more fulfilling sexual experiences, other forms of orgasm, we have to understand that orgasm is any moment of peak pleasure. So it's not always this big bang moment of an ejaculatory orgasm. So this is something that in authentic tantric methods, which have been, you know, woven into together with um, some of the Taoist teachings, which there's some really great books about this that I can put in the show notes um, but semen retention is basically how we have, how men are able to have multiple orgasms and that that's by re-understanding, um, how orgasm works for you and being able to control that sexual energy and that sexual potential. Now, when I first brought this to Xavier, it was really not something that was, <laughs> that he was really willing to try. I mean, it's not that he wasn't willing to try it, but I think that it wasn't, it's not something that really clicked, you know? Um, and I remember that further into our relationship when I wanted to bring you more into those tantric practices, because it did get to a point where I was like, 
okay, like let's, let's take that next step. Like that's going to be you learning semen retention. So we can take this experience further and this connection deeper. Um, so I want you to talk about before we get into the, ex like how exactly you practice semen retention, I want you to tell us the effects in your life as a whole, as a result of practicing semen retention. Okay, well, I think first I kind of need to like step back and take it even before I just like start talking about that right away. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, when she said something like, I think you just said uh, how I was totally reluctant to even like tr attempting it or learning about it. It wasn't necessarily like reluctance. It was the fear of failure. Like you kind of just, <clears throat> you hear about it and then we're reading about it and then she's she's learning about it and teaching me about it and i'm thinking like there is no way that i'm gonna be able to achieve this like this seems like magic almost or something that is not uh attainable because of all the years of just having ejaculatory sex you know like straight up that was pretty much years and years and years of that being ingrained and that there's no other way and also i grew up kind of like not even well we don't get that but anyway um so i guess the next step for me was to kind of educate myself on it so i read a book um it was montauk yeah um which he's dallas i believe mm -hmm. um so i read the book and then just in reading the book and then doing more research understanding that oh this is something that's actually attainable and i can do it um that kind of gave me that um what i needed to be able to just accept that this is a possibility so <laughs> Um, to go from there, um, it takes a long time and I am not, uh, even close to where I would want to be. And, you know, that's kind of just the beauty of the journey. Um, it's like with anything really, um, you're not just going to pick it up today and, and be able to retain your semen and hold your light source energy. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you're not going to be able to do that right away. And it came with a lot of failures. <laughs> In my eyes, there were failures. I guess over the years, I've kind of learned that it's not a failure. You know, you're just learning. And um, actually, when I switched my mindset of that it's not a failure, that's actually when it started to become easier. And um, I started getting even more and more close to being able to do it. Uh, but yeah, there is techniques and uh, I mean. Yeah, techniques and different methods. And before you go any further, I just want to mention that 
seeing their attention is not abstinence or it's and it's not just getting really close to the edge and stopping edging yeah it's not edging Uh, correct semen retention allows you to go over the edge it allows you to have beautiful orgasms without ejaculation and you can separate those two things in your nervous system they are separate responses yeah but i think at first well for me anyway um the practice of edging and the breath work and um staying connected staying in the moment um because growing up i don't know you see in the movies when you're young it's like uh think of something terrible so you don't come you know like something ridiculous and that that not only is detrimental to your connection with the other person but it's not gonna allow you to have semen retention i don't think so um it's a form of dissociation yeah it's it just it's not gonna help you get to the next step if you're trying to think about something awful and terrible in order to not have something so beautiful and amazing so they just don't go together (laughs) i don't think so Can I just mention something? So I think that another big thing, if you are in a relationship and you want to practice semen retention is that understanding it's, it's not just about you, you know, you are learning semen retention. Yes. For the benefits of it, for the physical benefits, for the mental and emotional benefits, um, for all of those things and how it's going to impact and amplify your not just your sexual experiences but your connection overall because you have that control is a really really beautiful thing and i think that also you being able to take the pressure off of yourself in some of those moments right it hasn't always been like that but taking the pressure off of yourself like you know instead of worrying am i going to come am i not going to come um, you know, where am I on my pleasure scale? So I don't go over the edge type of thing that it's just embracing the journey of that sexual experience. And that's really what you're describing as that fulfilling piece. Yeah. I think, um, just to make it super simple, I had, uh, I had a friend, I just recently actually just talking with him the other day and I was like, yeah, I'm going to be on the other's podcast. And he was like, well, what are you going to talk about? And I was like, I don't know. She's probably going to ask me a bunch of questions and that I might not know the answers to. <laughs> but um, he did ask me a question, um, or I did say pretty much about, talked about semen retention because I knew we were going to talk about that a little bit and my journey with it. So I brought it up to him and I really don't, when I first discovered it, I was trying to like tell everybody about it. Like, you know, when you just learn about something and you just want to like spread the gospel. but um i don't really bring it up with my friends anymore uh especially like uh people that i know that aren't really on the same path and that's nothing against them it's just i think it's if if it's going to come up it's going to come up naturally which it did and so i kind of just went into what i did and or what we were going to talk about which is the semen retention and i just saw how he just had no idea what it was and i kind of was just like oh i like forget sometimes you know how you have to just make it really simple and break it down 
or else it just is going right over your head and it did for me for a while so um i pretty much just went in and told him you know it's it's like what he asked me he said is having an ejaculatory orgasm or having a like when you retain your semen is which orgasm is better <clears throat> and i thought that was a really good question especially for like the first time of us having this conversation um and i answered it with this i said you know it's way better with the being able to hold and retain your semen i mean I know for most guys, if you're right after you come, it's like you're almost, you feel exhausted and um, almost like a, like you're losing something. And that is literally because you are, you know, and it's not bad. I'm not saying that you shouldn't like come at all. Cause... Well, your testosterone, <laughs> your testosterone levels actually plummet. I think like to 50%. Yeah, I don't know like the exact half. numbers, but so I of course you're going to feel exhausted. Yeah. yeah, it's just an instant, like you feel like you lost something, like strength in, in yourself. So, <clears throat> and another thing is through the breath work and as you like feel that the multiple orgasm that comes from it, it's like, uh, it's like, as we were just saying, like, you can't explain it, so it's really hard. But it's, like, you n feel the energy of yourself and the possible, because you're, I mean, looking at it from a science aspect, like, you're thinking about creation, like, as you're going to ejaculate. Like, that's the purpose of this. So in retaining it, it's like your creation is returning to you. So, like, that power and that is, like, yeah, it's it's good. It's nice. <laughs> I love the way you describe that, though. And that, sound, that does sound very nice and powerful. And it's for the boys. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. The path of, yeah, but the path of, the path of semen retention is definitely not, um, it's not an easy one. But that doesn't mean you miss out on pleasure. That doesn't mean that you miss out on orgasms or even ejaculating. You know, there are different frequencies that are still completely healthy. But just to put this more into perspective of, you know, if you're in your 30s, like Xavier here, and you're ejaculating once a day or twice a day um, or even five times a week, you know, that's a lot. You're losing a lot of precious nutrients and energy um, that could otherwise be amplified internally, right? And not only that, but the testosterone levels too, right? You see so many men dealing with erectile dysfunction. Low T. Hormonal issues. Low T is huge, yeah. Yeah. I had a guy in high school, he said that he was obviously addicted to jerking off, but he... Uh, <laughs> he said he uh did that seven times in a day it's like woo. dangerous dangerously <clears throat> low levels of testosterone there especially when men growing up are are you know as adults are using sex and ejaculation and those split moments in time you know of, of feeling good to cope 
Yeah, that's what it is. It's if you go back to like just thinking about it as an addiction mm-hmm. and <clears throat> it's feeding that um that feeling that you get uh every time and as with any addiction, it will eventually lead to some sort of uh detriment. Definitely to your body, to your soul, to everything. I really believe that. Um as it being experienced and like all that. And also, um, I don't know if we didn't really get in, this might be a sidetrack, but <clears throat> porn is for me, I haven't watched porn in th- over three and a half years, I think something like that. Like that when we were first together, I was, but, um, really, yeah. <laughs> um, but I definitely when I was a young kid, I was like, it was one of those forbidden fruits. And as a young man, how I grew up in a Christian household and everything like that, sex wasn't really taught to me by my parents or whatever. Um, So it was all on my own. And I had to teach myself that everything that was more of my mindset when I first started watching porn was uh, education. And then I realized the feeling that comes along with that. And I'm like, oh, I want this all the time. Like, why not? And it feels endless when you're that young. But as you get older and you start to try to build relationships, I think it's super important to figure out a balance with it at least or almost knock it out completely. Um, I can just speak for myself. It's helped my relationship. Um, Ava might not even... I actually didn't know that. (laughs) But um, yeah, it's it's because it's just something I just... One day was like, you know... I read, I think I read something and then I tried it for a little bit because the reason is, is because if you're having sex with your partner and watching porn all the time, your expectation of what that sex is going to be is totally unrealistic. And, um, just that alone is gonna make you feel like you're, missing out on something in your sexual experiences with your partner and maybe make you a little bit like resentful towards not having this amazing sex that you're seeing on screen that's totally trust me totally totally fake i mean there there's some great porn out there now that's real and has real connections but what to your point is you know that's not what most kids that's not what most i believe that's not what most like yeah men and definitely not are watching it for you know that to watch the connection i mean maybe some but yeah and again we're not saying porn is a bad thing i know that there's plenty of couples that use um that use porn to get in the mood and you know in all of these creative ways but they're incorporating it together or their partner knows when they're using it it's not this big secret so if you are a man who want who you know, keeps this thing secret that you only do when your wife is away or like something like that, that is a form of shame and guilt. And that should be a conversation that's had about your sexuality, but it's so normalized not to have that conversation um, that it really puts us in a tough situation, especially moving forward into long-term monogamous relationships. You have to have those conversations and learn how to communicate effectively at the end of the day. Yeah, that's, I think that's huge is the communication aspect with it. If you can control it or I don't know, somebody else might be able to speak about how they're able to have that, um, like 
to experience the porn with themselves and with the relationship. That's just, I know for me, it took my connection and ability to have a connection in, a, in our relationship uh, to the next level once I cut that out, especially my expectations. Definitely mm. huge. Mm. I don't know how we got there, but. <laughs> well, now I know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so one thing I really wanted to touch upon briefly is this concept of polarity. Um, I don't believe in polarity in re- <laughs> um, from this masculine-feminine perspective um, in heterosexual relationships. I think that um, it creates complexity. It creates um, these types of expectations what I'm supposed to do, what he's supposed to do in order for us to be magnetized towards one another. And, you know, some people do this in their relationships. We don't. Um, And I remember there was a very short flip in time where I got into it a little bit. And then I realized I was like, fuck that shit. Like, you know, it just, it didn't work for us. Um, And I'm not saying masculine, feminine forms don't exist. But what I'm saying is that in relationships, relationships are complex, okay? It's not as simple as, you know, saying the feminine is this one thing and the masculine is this other thing. And then we're supposed to somehow be in the relationship in these specific ways in order for us to be magnetized towards one another. In fact, when we did do that for a little bit of time, it created so much confliction and so much resistance and all these ways that we had, we didn't have before. Cause that's when we were really trying to figure like to really work it into our relationship. Well, I think what we thought was um, that polarity was somehow going to uh, fix the other misconnections that we had going on previously. I think if you put too much emphasis on it, then you're trying to create like a really rigid, uh, like, uh, rubric or whatever you want to say. You're trying to create like a straight line of how things should be. And that's just not how the universe works, in my opinion. And And the ways that. that I've seen it taught and regurgitated that's the thing it's this regurgitation it's like all over the place and um i think that it creates a lot of confusion we're already in such a deep state of pain many of us especially in relationships to add this additional layer of um you know who am i supposed to be in my feminine versus my masculine is i just i don't think it's healthy you know, and again, I'm not saying that it doesn't work in some relationships. I want to put out my personal experience with it. And then also from this perspective of practicing Buddhist Tantra. Okay. So we do not believe in this polarity concept. We believe in union, union in all its forms. So it's not that I'm more in my feminine than my masculine today. It's no, there's a union and it's not even something that needs to be said. Really, it's within the practice itself. And that I think is where the beauty comes in from that. And I, and all of the practices that we practice in lineage-based Tantra, including sexually, is all about union. There's no, you do this, I do that because I'm in my feminine today. That's really not how it works. I see. I see your point there. Yeah. Yeah. It's overcomplicating something maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I think that this is, (laughs) it's more of an open conversation at this point. 
But that's my personal um, opinion on polarity and why it, it hasn't worked in our relationship. And also, I think that it is that regurgitation of information. I'm certainly not the type of person that I'm just going to pick up on something and immediately implement it into my life because it sounds good. And I think that's what a lot of people do, especially on social media. It's like, oh, I'm following this tantrika. And she says that masculine is this and feminine is this. And this is how I get more in my flow. And, you know, and again, that's not just reality. That's not reality. We're very complex beings, especially when we're in relationship. And I think the more important concept or component is to look in on our own mental and emotional afflictions. Um before we're complicating our relationships even more, you know, and simplifying it, having direct, honest, loving communication that actually works. We have to learn this shit. This isn't something you can learn on an Instagram post. You know, you need support in order to do this. You need, you know, resources. Um, that's the one major thing that I could say, you know, is like over 99% of issues can be solved with correct, um, communication skills. Yeah. It seems so simple because it is to say like the communication, but it is so important. And I didn't, it's, it's a practice in itself, the communication aspect. And I know that I've gotten better at it in our relationship, still obviously always working on it. And uh, just the understanding, like a lot of things I find in life, like once you have like an understanding of it and you continuously try to implement it, it just naturally like starts incorporating into your life. And then you can see it as not being so complicated or uh so hard uh really it's just like you just gotta keep trying and even if she said like even if you're seeing people talk about polarity this and that and you i was kind of always a person that's like i want to try something once um so it's very confusing in this world where there's so much information especially like i want to know i'm a seeker like i just want to know the truth of everything so it can be very confusing but i've found that <clears throat> if you just keep it simple and keep trying to practice over and over again eventually your yourself tells you what's right for sure i believe that a lot of these teachings and practices and the things that we see regurgitated on social media for example you know you have to look at what's behind it so where have these people learned this? The history. Right. Even the history behind it, because you might be surprised at what you find, <laughs> you know, and, and, and what is the lens, the motivation behind whoever is sharing that? Because you can very easily copy and paste, <laughs> you know, it's not, it doesn't mean that that practitioner is evolving in any way or even using those things in their own lives. So again, it, like what Xavier was saying, it does come down to like you just knowing what is, is true for you and, and moving forward. Um, yeah. Don't be afraid to ask people where they get their information from uh, references, because if people can't provide that for you, there's a real problem with 
their message and what they're giving you. Um, I just from personal experience, I think that that is very important. And just personally, like in the world of Tantra, because it's it's not regulated. Okay, so when you see a Tantra practitioner, a Tantra healer, they could have a weekend worth of training. Okay. Yeah. Someone like myself, I have almost three years of training and I'm continuing every single day. So you you have to know where those teachings are coming from. The teachings itself from Neo-Tantra are completely different from lineage-based Tantra. And in some cases, even, um, even promote things like violence and separation unconsciously. So really important stuff. I am, I'm with Ava like pretty much 80% of the time. (laughs) Especially right now because of my job, I'm traveling and I'm here with her a lot. But my point in saying this is, is that I always tell people this too, is just Ava is doing the work and she's doing it's not all you know butterflies and rainbows and it's hard and she's continuously doing it and i see it and i know eventually a lot of other people will see it too and uh i mean there are people that see it now but i'm saying like a broad spectrum of people i really think she's going to do amazing things and is on that journey um yeah she is doing the work and she has the references and she knows the history and you the way you hear her talk you know it's that's part of the reason why attracted to me in the first place to you was just when she wants to do something she does it she has that type of energy and um yeah i just this is xavier's personal testimonial (laughs) (laughs) no i didn't even this isn't like written down here like ending notes um no it's i just want people to know that that is uh her reality is doing the work and it's not you know all beautiful all the time and she wants to help people that is her main objective and she has definitely helped me and we always i see us helping each other Mm. but uh it is it's a journey and you know we'll probably get into another episode some other time or i don't even know if this is the end but uh, our relationship has not been all butterflies and rainbows either you know so (laughs) and it's taken work on my end and on her end and you know you have to do your work for yourself first before you can even think about having a relationship with someone else and on a on a level that it's going to be beneficial and a healthy one i feel like yeah so yeah i just want to say that this might not be over but i just want to get that in <laughs> no this is we're starting to wrap it up here but okay. I'm starting to tear up a little bit there. Oh my goodness! Thank you, baby. Yeah, it's 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 important for people to know. I feel like. Yeah. Um, is there a final question? Maybe something crazy you asked me. <laughs> no, but I am gonna. I am gonna put out a bloopers reel. An off the cuff. 
I am going to put a bloopers. We don't have the bloopers in this episode, but I'm definitely going to put those out there. That, was, that shit was hilarious. So if you didn't see that on my Instagram, you know where to find me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think that this has been a really eye-opening, beautiful experience. And thank you for being open to have the conversation because I know you've never done something like this before. Um, and... Yeah, I think that we are going to leave it at that. I just want to dedicate this episode to individuals, couples, wherever you're at in the world, um, to really find time in this message to cultivate your own pleasure, your own joy, your own fulfillment. And that's really where the magic happens, is you taking your own responsibility. So. I dedicate this episode to you if you're having a hard time in your relationship, maybe you're feeling lonely, feeling stuck, you know, any of those things um, that you are supported by me energetically, but also just right now. Um, and that you are supported by the universe as a whole. Yeah. And I would just like to add um, on my end, we lived on Maui together for about a year, and it was a very special place for us and for our relationship, and a lot of good, a lot of bad. <laughs> but Maui as a whole was, it It just gave me a direction in my life, and I'm forever thankful for it from the people that taught me a lot of things there, and Lahaina, seeing it the way it is now, and what has happened with the fires. Just want to send out positive energy to the people there and um, have them just feel love from far away. And eventually, I would love to get back there and see how I can help. But for now, you know, what I can do is just keep spreading the message about how special of a place that is and how special the people are. So, we're supporting you from afar. Yeah. It's crazy. All our love. We'll see you next time. All right.